Hey, all of you beautiful humans. Are you ready to find happiness? Welcome back to another episode of the Search for Serotonin podcast, the show all about destigmatizing mental illnesses, dismantling society's version of perfection, and helping you to find your own meaning of happiness. Join me, your host, Carolyn Farrick, as I have open, honest, and vulnerable conversations about my own mental health and my diagnosis with OCPD, a perfectionism personality disorder. We all deserve to find happiness on our own terms, and we don't need to find happiness alone. So welcome to the search committee. Hey there, all of you beautiful humans. Welcome back to another episode of the Search for Serotonin podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Farrick, and I am joined today by our part-time temporary co-host, Olivia Farrick. What's up, Olivia? How are you doing tonight? Hey, lads. I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Uh, Olivia and I are both actually struggling right now, so it's all fine. Uh, Yeah, we're lying to you. (laughs) No, but we're here. We're recording. We had so many technical difficulties, but we're back at it again for another week of the OCD versus OCPD mini series. And this week we will be discussing relationships, dating, and mental health and how that all plays a part into that So I'm excited to get into tonight's topic, but like Olivia and I said, we are not doing great. We had a pretty long weekend. We went home to see our family. So we're just kind of drained. I'm super anxious. I don't know about you, Olivia. How are you feeling after the weekend? I don't know. Just vibes. Um, I don't know. I was just feeling like really bad, like this whole week for no reason. So yeah. Yeah, it's hard because you were you had like time off work and then you were home for a while. So it's your summer off of college. So that's definitely weird to get thrown off your schedule like that and have some downtime because that can really affect your mental health if you're not as busy or distracted as you normally might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely feel that. I just, I don't know, always going home just gives me like weird vibes. It throws me off a little bit. It's just like, nothing, not bad, but like just being at home and being in the same environment that I was as a kid sometimes really sets off my anxiety and my depression. And it brings up old memories and old trauma and stuff like that. Even though I'm having like a good time when I'm actually there, sometimes it Mm -hmm. just brings up those feelings. And it's just, it's weird when you get back into your like environment and your space and your routine and like coming back home, it kind of all hits you at once. Yeah. I feel like for me, it's just weird right now because I don't really have like a permanent home where I have like all of my things and like a routine like I don't know feel comfortable because like I have I'm staying at your house as the listeners may know and and then I went home and I like had to like take a twin bed out of um our niece's um room because I don't have a bed there anymore because my bed is in my apartment and my apartment so you know I just feel weird when I go there so it's just a weird living situation right now Yeah. And that's what the, like the shittiest part about college is the lack of security and stability and feeling like you have that place to call your own, you know, because you go back and forth from school and then wherever you're living in the summer for internships. And then obviously, you know, you have your home that you grew up in and it's this weird time in your life where you're like, I'm not really an adult yet, but I'm not really living at home. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it's just a weird place to be at in life and it's really hard on your mental health especially yes Uh, before we jump into our topics of relationships and mental health I did want to just catch up the listeners a little bit about what's going on with me and my mental health journey right now 
Um, so recently I actually started looking more into some stuff about like manifestation. And I found this woman online that I really like, and, um, she has a couple books. So I downloaded her one book called just fucking do it. And the author's name is Nora Hibbert. And I was listening to this book on one of my morning walks that I take. And, um, something she said that I found really interesting was about the kind of negative outlook that people start to take on when they're depressed. So I thought that could be relevant to talk about today because I know with OCPD, depression is a common side effect as well as OCD. And I know Olivia, you also struggle with depression. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So the outlook that she had is she said that um, pessimists have this negative self-talk that they always go to. And when she started saying this, I found this really applied to myself and my own depression. So, you know, thought it might be helpful for other people. Um, but the negative self-talk is commonly associated with depression and the pessimists or people with depression take on what is called like this learned helplessness. And so it's where they take this approach of every situation that they are presented with instead of, you know, being positive, they kind of tend to just go to, oh, I give up or no matter how hard I try or how much I do, I'm always going to fail. And they fall into like that kind of paradigm. And Mm -hmm. so then they begin to like get into this mindset that, oh, bad things are just always going to happen to me. You know, I'm just destined for like bad shit in my life. For sure. I really, I, I'd never heard that point of view before, but that's actually really interesting. And I think that can apply to what we were going to talk about today with like relationships and everything. I think that can be sort of something that I've actually like recognized myself that sometimes you feel like well, nothing good is ever going to happen. So I might as well not even try. Um, yeah. And I feel like that's something that I sometimes do with a lot. I have like a lot of the times something that I struggle with, with my depression is that expectations. Cause for me, like I always, I always think something's going to be good. Like I'll set up little days and like, be like, Oh, I'm going to do my little hobby. I'm going to get my little drink. I'm going to get my, I'm going to go on a walk or I'm going to go to the bookstore or something. But then it ends up that it's never as good as you think it's going to be in your head. And I'm like, well, damn, why even bother doing things anymore? And that's just something that is a really interesting point to have written, like someone else have written down and kind of like put words to. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually why I started looking into this stuff, because I found always found myself going into this place of oh, I'm always going to negativity or I'm always Mm -hmm. reaching for a pessimistic outlook. And I'm trying to remind myself slowly but surely that even though my mind automatically defaults to this, like that's just because I've been in depression for so long. And I've been in that like learned helplessness and like victim mentality for such a long time. And so just reminding yourself in that moment, like, Hey, this would might be where we're at right now, but we don't have to stay in this place. I think is like really refreshing to hear. Yeah, no, for sure. Because that is like, yeah, that's a very important step is that just to remind yourself that's not always going to be like a negative outcome. Like there is the op- the possibility of a good like result. So that's just interesting. I think that's something I'm going to start trying to apply in my own life more. Yeah. And I, I really, I really appreciate that she said the piece of even the most optimistic people are going to 
have these moments where they fall into this pessimicity. Like it's mm-hmm. not just people who are depressed that are thinking this way. Everybody's going to think this way one point or another. And so, you know, giving yourself back that ability to take back control and have the power to say, okay, we can feel pissed off for a little bit, or we can feel upset, or we can feel hopeless, but it's how quickly that we can feel those feelings, get them out of the way, and then move on and say, okay, what can we do next? How can we turn this around to benefit us or do something good with it? Yeah, Yeah. that's true. Yeah. And like you said, we can apply it to relationship situations, especially because if in your everyday life and your own mental health, you're kind of falling into that, oh, everything's going to be horrible. It's so easy to then take that into your relationship. And when you guys have a fight or something doesn't go your way or things get kind of difficult, you know, then it's easy to go to, well, why am I doing this? Or why should I even put in the effort? Or it's all going to fall apart anyway, and they're just going to leave me and I'm not going to be good enough for them. You know, it's really easy to pull that in to your relationship if that's how you think in your everyday life. Yeah, I definitely, I think I fall into that a lot with my relationships where I'm like, I'm realizing more and more that I think I'm very like insecure in relationships, not like in the other person, but more so in myself. Like I found myself thinking a lot of the time is be like, like, why are they even with me? Or like, why are they even interested in me? Like, I don't know what I really offer, like bring to this equation. And that's really like hard to do. And I feel like that's also really hard on your partner for you to always be like, well, I don't, well, I don't know. I don't know why you even like me. It's hard to always be seeking approval for I think both ends yeah well it also like it doesn't help with you that you're like younger you're like 21 you know you haven't had a ton of serious relationships and Mm -hmm. like I've been in that spot before because when I was you know 21 I had only had two serious relationships and they both lasted like under a year like on and off so I was young. I didn't have a lot of experience with relationships. I was holding on to a lot of insecurities and stuff that I didn't heal from my childhood. And I would internalize a lot. I would project outward a lot. And like those same feelings that you said, you know, oh, I'm not good enough. Why does this person want to be with me? I would get into those mindset patterns. And so then I would kind of think like, oh, you know, I'm the issue. They're not going to like me. They're eventually just going to want to dump me anyway. So I would just push them away. Yeah. And I think on the other side of that, there's also the point where you might, you might feel like you don't want to give them more reasons to, I don't know, be upset with you or like try to like not cause issues. And so you just like internalize a lot of things and like try to keep it to yourself because you don't want to be like a burden to them which is something that's very like difficult to get over because obviously it like helps no one if you just keep in all the things that you're feeling just because you think you don't want to like bother the other person but it's hard to find that middle ground between keeping your feelings in and then maybe just putting everything out there because you want to push them away and I think that those are like two extremes but I think there's like a middle ground that's really hard to find but that also comes with um being more secure in yourself 
I feel like for me, at least it stemmed from when I was able to get to a place that I was good and I was stable and happy for the most part, you know, like I wasn't like unhinged or anything like that, but I was like more secure in myself and I felt more confident in myself. And so that's when I was able to really find a relationship that I could open up in and feel a little bit better. And it didn't mean that I jumped right into that relationship and started communicating perfectly or anything like that. It's a learning process. You know, you have to start working on yourself and making sure that you can be okay with yourself. And then, you know, once you start letting another person in, working on how can I communicate what I'm going through in a way that makes sense for both of us, you know? So it is a learning process balance. You can't just, you know, be like, okay, I, I fixed myself. So now I can just snap right into a, a relationship and fit perfectly into someone else's life. It's always going to be a learning process and a little bit of trial and error almost. Yeah, for sure. And that's just like, I feel like that's just um, like self-esteem, the self-esteem issues of like mental health. There's also, but when you add like other things, like OCD symptoms and like OCPD symptoms that's just like a whole nother level of finding the right way to communicate what you're going through without also making it entirely um putting it entirely on like the other person like I've talked about this on the podcast before like when my OCPD was really bad after my surgery, I'd get like really mad about things that, you know, I couldn't control. And then I would turn that outward blame kind of like onto Corbin. And I didn't know how to express to him, like, hey, this isn't you specifically. This is me feeling like I'm out of control. And so I'm just taking it out on you because like, I'm angry and I don't know how to express what I'm feeling right now. And so Mm -hmm. that's why like, it can be difficult with OCPD sometimes. I don't know. I feel like OCD is kind of similar in the sense that like, you don't know always how to word it exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's also like not knowing if the other person will like even consider it to be, consider it in like the way you do and Mm -hmm. like as big a deal as it is to you as it is to them. Yeah, yeah, because at least for me, something that I always stress about is how are they going to react? How are they going to perceive this? You know, are they going to be okay with this? Are they not going to, you know, a lot of the times there's preconceived notions in our head of, you know, will they leave because of this? Or will this be the thing that breaks it? Or are they going to just be like, oh, you're overreacting. But Mm -hmm. something that I've learned is, And I've worked on in therapy a lot, which is not easy, but you have to just be who you are and you have to put it all out there and you can't control how other people react. You just have to kind of show them all of you and give them your honest self and your honest feelings. And if they, you know, choose to love you and choose to meet you with acceptance and they choose to hear you out and work with you, then, you know, that's somebody that you can be with and you want to be with. It's very true. There's also like the part of feeling like you need to like solve everything for that person, which I think I, I felt before in my relationships, but like, I think the more important part is to like solve things for yourself. Like right now in my situation, like me and my partner are currently long distance. And I was talking to him the other day and I was like, um, yeah, I just, before you come back, like, cause he's coming back at the end of the summer. I was like, before you come back, I just want to make sure that like, like I'm all good and like my mental health, which is not solvable 
by a month and a half, but I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to figure it out. It'll be fine. And he, I was like, yeah, I just feel like I have to like get everything together before you get back. He was like, no, you don't like, I'll meet you where you are. Like, it's fine. And that's the kind of energy we're looking for in our relationships, because if they don't want to meet you or if they can't meet you, it might not be the relationship for you. Take some personal time and work on yourself. There is nothing wrong with being single. Like people like, you know, stigmatize being single and say, oh, that's so terrible. I was single for four fucking years, but like, I also was the type of person that was like, I need to be single because I'm mentally unstable and I can't figure out what's going on with me. So no one could ever love me. And I never thought, you know, like I would date or would want to date, but I always like, I'm so anxious today. Like my thoughts are not stringing together. So if I'm stumbling, like this is my bad, it's the anxiety going on. But I just wanted to let you guys know, because I keep like sounding like I'm like a robot, but (laughs) what I'm trying to say is there's also no shame in being happy and healthy in a relationship that serves you and helps you grow as a person, you know, cause like you and Sam, like you said, like he's there, he's going to meet you where you're at, you know, Mm -hmm. finding someone who's going to do that to you and communicate with you and love you exactly the way you are. There's no shame in being kind of obsessed with that, like loving every minute of that because yeah, girl. Yeah. When you meet somebody like that, who can make you feel secure and mental illnesses and all like, obviously you're going to want to, you know, show that off. It goes crazy. You heard it from me guys. Healthy relationships go crazy. So yes, for me, for me, it was like weird because in my past relationship, um, the girl that I was with, she also had OCD. So it wasn't like that big of a jump to like explain things that I was going through to her because she also had similar experiences. Um, so in my current relationship, when I first like decided to like talk to him about like my OCD and like other like depression related aspects of it, I was kind of apprehensive because I was worried that like he wouldn't understand. When I first like talked about it, it was like really, really difficult. And I was like really upset because I was like, it's like, you're going to think it's so weird and like so dumb, but like the most important part of that was that he was like, it's not weird. It's not dumb. Like everyone has something that they struggle with. And like, this is what you're struggling with. Like, that's fine. Like I'll help you out any way that I can. So. Yeah. And I think that's a good point that you said that Sam mentioned is like, everyone struggles with something, you know, nobody's perfect. Nobody's flawless, you know, everybody's going to have something that they're always dealing with, whether it be mental health issues, whether it be financial issues, whether it be career issues, whether it be health issues, there's always going to be something going on. And you just have to find, you know, what works best for you, what works for your partner and what works for both of you together. You know, you have to find your routine. You have to find your communication styles. Exactly. Girls, you need to find your balance. Yeah. Something I've been struggling a lot with is just like, just like that self secure um, bit. Cause it's just like hard to constantly like be seeking like some sort of validation. And like, even if it's like already there, like maybe you don't even believe it just because you like can never convince yourself. I mean, I, there's no harm in that, you know, just even saying like, Hey, I just feel like 
a little down or a little insecure or, you know, my OCD or OCPD or anxiety is kind of, you know, putting thoughts into my head. I just need you to tell me that like, everything's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. I feel like for me, it's also just more like, I am so mentally ill Mm -hmm. that like, oh my gosh, every time I have to bring it up, I'm like, this is going to be the time he's going to like, be like, oh, it's too much. I don't like it. I can't deal with this. I don't like, it's too much. Like stop. And so I'm like, guess what? I have another issue. Yeah. Like, even if, even if they're like, no, like, like how Sam is, he's always like, no, I want you to like, tell me, like, we'll deal with it. Like, it's fine. But I'm like, what if you hate me this time? What if this is the one? (laughs) What if this? Yeah. So that's, I think that's more what I was trying to say with the insecure part. Yeah. Like, you just have to have that, like, you just have to, like, trust that it will be fine, I think. No, but, like, speaking on that, like, it gets so exhausting to, like, constantly be, like, oh, my anxiety or my mental illness. Like, you, uh, sometimes I feel, like, really fucking guilty because I'm, like, oh, like, this is an inconvenience. Like, I don't want to be an inconvenience. And now like, I don't want to blame it on my mental health. But every time I'm like, oh, my mental health, or this is because of my mental health. Like, I get worried that they're going to see it as like a crutch that I'm using or like an excuse. But like, it's not, it's just like the reality of it. And that's why like, the more you talk about it, and the more you vocalize it, the more almost normal it becomes. And I think it kind of removes some of those insecurities. Because the more times that you open up and you're met with this like response of, oh, no, 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 let me help you. Or how can we fix this? Or how can we work through this together? Like realizing that this person is with you, not against you. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep trying. (laughs) Just do it. Fucking literally just do it. Just don't be mentally ill. (laughs) Just never be mentally ill. (laughs) That's all we're going to tell you. Basically just don't. It's just really easy. It's just don't. I know, but that's why, like, it's like, it's so hard because I like, you just like, you have to try. But when you're mentally like in it, it's like, I don't want to do it and I don't want to deal with it and I don't want to fucking talk about it. And it's so exhausting. So, yeah, it is. But yeah, I don't know. That's just what I've tried to do. You just gotta, I don't know, vibe out. <laughs> keep it pushing I guess I'm so shit at advice right now I'm literally so exhausted <laughs> yeah well that's how it is it is you're uh, exhausted but you gotta keep going I know you gotta keep going I gotta keep showing up for the pod I gotta keep doing it for the people so Olivia let it yes. let is let us <laughs> let us rapid fire on some of these questions I have three simple questions for us to answer about our relationships specifically and how OCD and OCPD impact those. Okay, I'm ready. So what is the hardest part about being in a relationship while having OCD in your opinion? Oh, in my opinion, I would say just, I think it does, I think it creates a barrier between you and your partner if you can't talk about it. Because if you can't talk about it and you can't feel comfortable enough to verbalize how you're feeling and what you're going through, it's going to cause, I think it causes a divide between you and your partner because those feelings can be like so shameful and so strange sometimes that you think 
you don't even want to bother sharing them. But I think the most important part is sharing them. So yeah, communication is key. Like just dumping it out of your brain, getting it out into the open instead of holding on to it and internalizing it. So for OCPD, I would say the hardest part about being in a relationship would be the kind of need to control everything. Like yeah. when you're a perfectionist and you have that OCPD, you know, control is big. And like that really feeds into your anxiety as well. And sometimes it's hard to pull yourself out of the mindset of like, you know, I'm not the only one in this relationship. I can't control everything. I can't, you know, be a part of every decision or every detail. You know, sometimes you just have to figure out what's important to take control of and you need to figure out other things to let go of and maybe not argue about or fight about amazing amazing brilliant show-stopping never been done before really spectacular <laughs> um okay what's one thing you tell your partner when your disorder is consuming you um like how do you verbalize you know hey I'm going through it right now like shit's really hitting the fan like what do you tell them when Honestly, you just need just, a little help just that like I'll just be like hey I'm not doing so good right now like I don't know what to do I'm spiraling just an FYI in case you get some unhinged texts um and that's usually all I need to say just for us to talk about it and like just say that give it some time and then it's usually more manageable after like two hours of contemplation I think my cue is more nonverbal. so like when I'm really in my head and like anxiety's going intrusive thoughts are coming in like my thing is I'll kind of disconnect from the situation and kind of forget what I'm doing with Corbin or that I, he's even there and then all of a sudden I'll just like let out a really big sigh and he'll always be like are you okay what's going on and I'm like oh yeah I'm just anxious and i totally just removed myself from the situation and was having 4,000 different conversations in my head for the past 10 minutes. Yeah. But then that, yeah, that kind of sparks the conversation then because he's like, okay, why are you sighing? Like we're sitting here watching a movie and everything's fine. Like what's going on? Yeah. But yeah, that's a good way for me because then like he initiates that he's like, Hey, why did you do that? Like nothing's wrong right now. So what's, what's going on inside your head almost. And so then that kind of like opens up the door for me to be like, Oh, this is what I'm thinking about. Even though it's like an intrusive thought or like a scenario that I'm creating in my head, then like, again, like you said, just opening up about it in that moment, instead of holding on to it or letting it consume you for longer, just talking about it. And then they're like, okay, well, what can I do to help? Or how can we get you to a better place? Or yeah. you need to pause the movie and like do another activity or like, you know, watch a calming video on YouTube or like, I really like on Netflix, they have this thing called unwind your mind and you can use it for like sleep or meditation or little things like that. So mm -hmm. even just like, you know, suggesting that with your partner maybe if you're sitting there watching a movie and you start to get like really consumed by your disorder maybe just say hey can we pause this for a minute and like watch a quick like breathing exercise on youtube or something like that could be a good way that without talking about it that you can still kind of calm down and come back into yourself yeah just taking a minute and figuring out where to go from there 
Yeah. Cause sometimes you don't want to talk about it. Sometimes you don't know what to say. So sometimes you just need that, you know, action, or sometimes I'll just say to Corbin, like, Hey, can you hold my hand and let me like squeeze it every time I get anxious. And like, he just like goes, yeah, whatever you need. Cause I don't feel like talking about it or I don't know what to talk about. So then just having that a little moment where I can just squeeze his hand and know like, Oh, this person's here and I'm okay. And this is reality. The thoughts inside my head aren't kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, I'm the opposite. I'm like, if I don't bring it up, like if I get quiet and I'm like trying to like figure something out in my head and Sam's like, what's wrong? And I'll be like, "Mm." (laughs) just like sob. I'm like, I can't do this right now. Yeah. Even that, like not even talking about it, just crying in front of your partner sometimes can be like really comforting. The last question is, I wanted to keep on the search for serotonin theme. Like, how do you continue to search for serotonin in your relationship? You know, how do you keep making sure that you and your partner are both happy? I think that in my relationship, something that we do a lot is just checking in on the other person, just being there for them and just kind of each reminding each other that things are going to get better. It may not be like today, it might not be tomorrow, but in the future, things are going to be better. And that's like a good way just to have like that person reminding you that it's not always going to be like this. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, for me, it's refreshing to have a different perspective and a different outlook on things. Yeah. Because like I said, you know, I tend to fall into the very pessimistic outlook from depression, like we talked about earlier in the episode. And before I started dating Corbin, I had a very like one way of looking at things. It wasn't ever like, let's look outside of the box. But then I started dating him and, you know, we'd be in situations like we started dating in the pandemic. So like a lot of things were shit, but he would always say, oh, I can't wait until next year at this time because our lives are going to be so much better. Having somebody to have just like that different perspective to approach situations, I think is really also helpful because sometimes then it can help pull you out of those, you know, tendencies that you fall into with your mental health. Yeah. Like I'm the same way. Like I'm very negative and it's very nice to have a partner that is very um, optimistic and is always like, well, maybe don't look at it like this. Maybe it's going to be a good thing in the end. And it's very hard to look at things like in the end, but it's true. And it's the change of perspective, which sometimes is very important to have. Okay. Well, those are all the questions that I had for you tonight, Olivia. Do you have any other questions or burning things to say? No, I feel enlightened by everything we've talked about. I have learned everything I can learn. (laughs) We're really doing this to educate Olivia and no one else. Sorry, guys. Basically. (laughs) Everyone, thank you for coming back for another week of the OCD versus OCPD mini series. Sorry we were off our game tonight, but it's summer and we are out living our lives and our social batteries have been thoroughly drained this weekend. So at least we showed up for you guys and we continue to have these conversations, but we're doing it in a way that works for us. And even though we are anxious and mentally unwell, we're still out here for all y'all. So love you guys.
Love you guys. Thanks for tuning in for another week of the Search for Serotonin podcast. If you like this episode, please, 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 please go rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify if you haven't already. And if you like this episode and you think it might benefit somebody in your life, feel free to share it on your Instagram story and tag the podcast at the search for serotonin. You can tag me at Carolyn underscore Farrick. You can tag Olivia at Olivia Farrick on Instagram. And also feel free to share this episode with your friends if you think they could benefit. All right, you guys, thank you again for another week. And we will see you back here next Monday for another episode of the OCPD versus OCD mini series. Thanks again for being here, Olivia. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.